Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. James. Steve. How's that uh, Lime Ricky? Well, if you've never had a Lime Ricky from Arctic Circle, <laughs> you're missing out. Yes, you are. And uh, in case you don't know, Arctic Circle is a gem. They got tasty shakes, tasty Lime Rickies. Right. Cheese curds. Cheese curds. Don't knock it before you yep. try it. I well, know that yep. sounds like nasty fat kid, but I'm telling you, it's the real deal. <laughs> the halibut's good there. Like, what? Where? Like. Bacon ranch burger and ask for extra crispy. And Arctic Circle's old school, so they have the microphone. <laughs> so <laughs> right. the, the employee at the front will get there, and, and it's like, and can I get extra? And like, and it's, I never get it because I'm like, the person's five feet behind you. <laughs> Why? But it, but they will. It'll be like, so extra friends are like, number six with the extra crispy, extra crispy on the bacon. What else can I get you, sir? So, yeah. you'll, so uh, just. Um, it's good times. If anyone works at Arctic Circle Corporate and would like to sponsor us for this promotion, let us know. We'll, we'll <laughs> donate your money to scholarships, which I hope right. everyone is aware of. Our scholarship page is up. I'm, I'm totally going to hit up Arctic Circle now because we've just spent like 90 seconds talking about them. Oh, I'll go with you tomorrow, dude. Okay. The Circle's the real deal. Okay, let's call them and be like, okay, you need to donate for to our scholarships hey, now. you need to donate and give, yeah. us, and give us free lunch. And yeah, um, that too. So... Uh, our scholarship page is up, which is excellent, which is excellent. So I, I feel like this is one of those, like, it can't be that good. It is that good. We are a nonprofit, our outsiders who are bold, accepted, and totally unashamed. You become an outsider by donating at unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. You get the bonus content, right? Right. Some cool stuff. Um, and we take all of that money. So Jason literally does hours and hours of audio stuff, and we don't give him anything. We don't pay him. We don't pay anybody. We we pay to put up the website, put up the right the, the audio, and the rest just goes to scholarships. So at the time of this recording, we have six, really seven active scholarships for all sorts of retreats, individual couples therapy for people who don't live in Utah, some different cool things. So unashamedunafraid.com slash donate to become an outsider. Um, if you want to help create those scholarships and if you're in need of a scholarship, which you're worthy of it, you're totally worthy of it. Go slash scholarships, hit it up. So I, I start with that because our story here with our, with our now dear friend, Max, Max, Max is an outsider. That's oh, a, Max, we, that's yeah. actually, we actually yeah. met him. Yep. Was coming to outsiders. And um, we put out the APB. We said, if you're single and you're willing to share your story, hit us up. Right. Came up in an anonymous Q&A. Right. And so he hit us up. And he's like, I'm single and I've got a story to share. And uh, so you called him up. You guys had a conversation and you were like, James, let's get this guy on the schedule and get him recorded. And boy, did he have a story to share. Yeah, it's excellent. Love his heart, love his perspective. Um, you know, for, for me, he's speaking to that generation that's 
22. He's 22. Right. Uh And that's kind of, it's what that generation is experiencing is different than what I experienced. Um, And so the perspective that he provides is excellent. Yeah. And I, and I feel like there's so many conversations that happen around this generation and, and people who are single in their twenties. And I feel like we spend a lot of time talking around them and not talking to them. And so I hope it's like, if you want to know what the youth today, the kids today, what single people are facing, like, just listen to this guy. He's, he is telling us the whole truth. He's, he's honest about the trauma he's experienced as as a kid and the stuff in his family system, um, his, his depression, right? Suicidal, codependent, um, relationship through high school into college with a girlfriend, um, talks about how, how, how sex affected that relationship and how you can't do the right thing the wrong way. The normalization of pornography for his generation. Right. Whereas like we'll talk about how my generation never talked about it, but his group, they talk about it. They just normalize it all. Like, yeah, it's no big deal, bro. Everybody does it. Right. And that was fascinating to me because even for me, like I'm like, I'll tell my kids, like I remember when there was no internet and the internet happened. Like that was my youth. Like I was in junior high when Facebook was invented. Like that's where I'm at. And even me to hear him talk, I'm like, I like, I just can't imagine being in the locker room and have everyone being like, Oh yeah, we all look at porn. Look at porn before the game. Did you see this one? Did you see, did you see this one? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just can't. That's so far. And I was like, I'm fucking pretty messed up as a kid. (laughs) So, so it's just so much is changing and just how bold he is. And, and the other thing is I, we hear so much of right. Millennials are, are, are leaving church and you know, the younger generation doesn't believe in God and right. There's a lot of that commentary and there's some truth statistically to that. So I I don't, I don't want to make light of that. Right. Like we're, we're battling for hearts. Dude, this guy, the way he Catholic, right? Grew up in the Catholic church. Mom really helped connect him in that process. But in college, go, really goes back to church for himself, finds community, right? right. In, his, in his, not the church he grew up in, right? Still Catholic, but different, different congregation, right? Different parish. And, and that's just, just the strength of his story. It's just incredible. Yeah. Yep. I love it. This is a great episode. So... Let's jump in. Right. And if you listen to this and you're a kindred spirit of Max, you're another young single guy, right? Or right, female with addiction, right? And you're in that younger age group. Um, we'd, we'd love to hear yeah. your story. We know you have something to share. This is, uh, I'm tired of people speaking for this generation. I'd rather let them yeah. speak for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're, especially the female, you know, Max talks about it in, in this episode, you know, that that female, younger female demographic is still kind of in that space where you and I were growing up, where there's a a ton of shame around that and they just don't talk about it right now. And so, you know, if you're in that demographic and and you have a story to share with us about your recovery and, or, or, and your struggle and what you've, what you've gone through, please reach out to us. We, We want to be able to help our female listeners that are, that are struggling as well. Yep. Yep. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at unashamed unafraid, unashamed unafraid.com slash donate slash scholarships slash podcast slash about us. Contact us. If you got a story, contact James, James at 
unashamedandafraid.com. Give us five stars on iTunes if you're enjoying this content or if you get into this episode, you think it's good. That's how more people find us. We can spread the hope. So we hope you enjoy this time with Max. We reached out to him from Honduras. Um, so across the world, super cool episode. Wonderful, wonderful example of being unashamed and unafraid. Max, Max yes. of Wyoming, who's really in Honduras. Yes. How are you? I'm doing great tonight. Excited to finally have this opportunity. And like you said, such a blessing to have it. Um, so what you don't know about Max is that he has extreme patience because we just spent like a half hour trying to like readjust our audio stuff and it was all kind of messed up. Um, and so... Yeah, turns out he's just a super patient guy. At least that's what we've learned. <laughs> so, uh, what you also don't know is Max is a um, is a dope outsider, uh, and uh, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing else to say to that. So, I guess I guess the question I want to tee up to this is, um, Max, why did you want to come on and share your story? Let's start there. Um, I think for me, ever since I first heard the podcast, um, which was kind of by a fluke, I was just searching on uh, Spotify, like pornography, a podcast or anything about that. I came across it and I heard some of the first few testimonies and I just got hooked. I was wanting to share in any way that I could as well. Um, I truly have always believed and been raised by some great parents who said like our own shortcomings are only to help others along the way. And so I just feel like if my vulnerability and honesty can help anyone out there that um, God is calling me to do so. That's it. Like that, that's unashamed. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) You're there. So um, we, we have had a lot of people kind of reach out and, um, and we're, the three of us sitting here are married Mm -hmm. and um, although struggled with sexually compulsive behavior addiction during being single, right. Mm -hmm. Didn't that, that wasn't, hasn't been our walk, right. Right. It hasn't kind of been our journey. And so as we've had people reach out, we were like, Hey, you know, what, what's the story here on this side? And so, um, you know, we're just, we're just grateful for mm-hmm. your perspective and being willing to share. So you kind of hit on, on kind of the, some of the childhood stuff, mm-hmm. but so tell us how you were raised. Tell us about mom and dad. Tell us where do you fit in the family? What, what was God like for you? Grew up in church, not in church. What, what would it all look like? Yeah, I think the best place to start is with my family. Um, I think understanding mom and dad helps us understand the kids a lot more. So my mom and dad both kind of had a little bit uh, tougher of childhoods. Um, My mom's father left the family when she was about two. So my grandma was a single mom um, raising three little ones kind of on her own with the help of some extended family. Um, My mom, I think around the teenage years, she remarried into a, uh, and my mom got a stepfather that was uh, working through his own wounds in not so great ways to put in lovingly. Um, my dad on the other side uh, grew up with divorced parents as well. I think my grandpa's on his fourth wife now. 
Um, we've had parents in different states going back and forth. And so when they kind of met in college, they were uh, pretty determined not to allow that pain to happen into their family. But um, their personalities are very, very strong. Um, my mom is like the self-sacrificing type, the very loving, I would like give up my sleep, my whatever own comforts to serve my family and my dad is the very, very determined and hardworking and intelligent man. Um, he's kind of like the American dream, I like to say, is like he's going to make his own way in life and he's not going to take any handouts. And so um, those two personalities, I think, kind of clashed in with me <laughs> as I grew up. Those are kind of big things for my own personality. Um, but yeah, growing up, uh, when... They first, uh, we were first a family. I was actually born in good old Utah. Um, so we lived there for two years. And oh, what up? up to, yeah. But, but <laughs> he has not been to Arctic Circle. Just a side note. Just a side note. No, just a side note. <laughs> no, we, we need to visit more. But um, Or maybe we have when I was young. I just don't remember. But <laughs> um, we quickly moved to Wyoming when I was young because that's where my mom's family is. Um and then uh, out to Minnesota. So all those times from was about time I was born until about six, I can remember a happy family growing up, running around, playing in the trees. I have one older brother, so he and I just kind of explored as best we could um, and had a lot of fun. My dad was really into motorsports, so he had us on dirt bikes and snowmobiles and anything with a motor in it pretty quickly. Um, but it was out in Minnesota when my parents love the dirt bikes, uh, by the way, love the dirt bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Kindred. Definitely bikes. fun. Have a, little, <laughs> have a little KTM 50 for my six year old. So, um, so that's really interesting when you talk about your grandparents, right. And, and the mm -hmm. trauma from your grandparents. Mm -hmm. level. And then the natural question we can ask is if mm -hmm. they're, if they're having that much of a struggle, you're curious what their childhood was like. Right. And so, exactly. so Terry real, one of my favorite like prominent therapists, he says that, um, violence in families, right. Meaning anything that's mm -hmm. traumatic, anything, not just physical mm -hmm. violence. Um, it takes three generations for that mm -hmm. to not be affected. So he would say that mm -hmm. it is your children who would not be affected by your grandparents' trauma. That's without them passing it, right? That's without shame right. passing or anything else passing. So as you share all that, the question that came to mm -hmm. my mind was, how has all of that trauma in the mm -hmm. family, how did that affect your childhood? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think to kind of can continue with uh, a little bit of my the family story childhood. Um, I think it came uh, most evident in my father. Um, and like he started to, um, what I didn't know at the time, act out sexually. And so he ended up cheating on my mother uh, multiple times. And so I think that is probably the biggest, most clear evidence of some of that trauma and those wounds not being addressed. Um, and he was also raised as like men don't show feelings and weakness and all that as well. So that compounded, I think. Um, and he eventually acted out um, sexually with, from what I understand, multiple women. So I don't know the full at details of that. At what did you learn that? Um, 
I'm 22 now. Probably 21 was the first time someone told me that. Oh, so like those words out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Growing up, like you always hear different like short comments um, from the family. But I was the younger one of the. Uh, I was the youngest of the family, and they wanted to protect me. So no one ever really told me. My brother learned, I think, when he was a teenager and then just wouldn't. I even asked him and he just wouldn't tell me. He's like, ignorance is bliss, but don't worry about it. Uh, So So you knew something was in the water, but you were just, you were sheltered. So you could do something, but yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. So for you, I mean, you know, you were talking about your childhood a little bit. Um, Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about your kind of your first introduction to, I guess, I'm assuming it was pornography or, or something. So, um, kind of walk us through that sexual history just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so first introduced when I was, um, in fifth grade, which I think is around 10 years old, if my math is correct. Um, so pretty young, um, my, it was, you know, I had a sleepover with my brother and my cousin and, they were both a year or two older than me and just kind of showed me, um, you know, how to find it on your iPod, how to, uh, make sure you can't, you don't get caught, you know, clear all your history and everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was unsure. And, uh, I think it, the first couple of years of it was definitely just like curiosity of like, what is this? Um, I didn't really know what anything was. I didn't know any like terms or words or anything. So it was definitely a curiosity. Um, but I think for me, uh, it really turned into an addiction after my parents, uh, got into be a little bit more, uh, I guess we were separated and then divorced. So they were separated in sixth grade. And then my mom, attempted suicide in seventh grade oh wow and then they were divorced shortly after so it was around that time um when i started living that dual life of i'm gonna be i'm gonna try to be the best child so that my parents don't have anything else on their plate like they have enough with a separated family and mom's like depression and um all of those emotions that they don't need to raise me as well so i started raising trying to raise myself Um, so on the outside, I was, you know, trying to do perfect in school, trying to work hard in sports and acting out very isolated, um, through pornography, pornography, um, through finding different people online just to talk to just someone to like, listen and actually be genuine with. So, um, that was kind of the introduction I would say in the big abrupt split from curiosity to addiction. So when, when we, had, when we had talked, well, uh, James mm-hmm. asked your question first. Well, I guess before, yeah, before we jump into Steve's question, I, I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you a little bit about, um, who, who God was to you mm-hmm. at, at this, I guess, through, throughout this difficult phase For and sure. did it shift at all from, you know, mm-hmm. when you were younger? Perfect. Um, yeah, so I was raised in the Catholic Church. Um, my mom ra- made sure my brother and I had all our uh, boxes checked as a good Catholic would. So we were baptized and then received the Eucharist in second grade and then confirmed even in seventh grade in the mis- midst of all of the uh, trauma that was going on. But 
Um, honestly, God was a very distant figure to me. Uh, after a lot of reflection, I definitely um, took my father's viewpoints and morals and put them on the face of God. And so I made, I thought of God as a being that we had to earn love, love from. My dad told me I had to earn everything in life. So I, why wouldn't I have to earn God's love too? Um, I understood the idea of like Jesus died for us and like forgiveness, but like true genuine connection wasn't around for me, I would say um, until the end of college. Um, so it wasn't for a long time that I realized God was there. Looking back, I can see these beautiful moments of like, I know oh, God, you were right there and I just didn't see you. Um, but in the moment it was blinded for sure. Wow. Wow. So you, you kind of hit on it and I just want to kind of mm -hmm. open, I feel like you've kind of cracked the door, so I'm just going to kind of open it. Um, yeah. uh, so, uh, if you haven't heard of the book wild at heart, you uh, <laughs> live under a rock or have never listened to our podcast. So, um, we had a conversation that you, right. Have, have kind of gotten deep into that, some eldritch stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the terminology, the terminology he uses is right. The wound, right. That as, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as, as children in an adolescence, when, right. As the, the therapist to me would say trauma. Right. But, but that, right. when that wounding happens, like it, it, that's one of the big hurdles with God. And you kind of describe that right face of your father mm -hmm. on the face of God. And so I guess my question is like, with all this stuff that happened, right. You're just like mm -hmm. fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, mm -hmm. like all mm -hmm. of, I mean, just so much going on i mean mm -hmm. we, we could probably spend an hour episode on just each of those moments right so i guess my question is like as you as you can kind of see it now like what were the wounds to use eldridge's mm -hmm. words mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. what were the wounds that happened to you through all of that yeah um definitely have read uh wild at heart i actually found wild at heart before i found uh unashamed unafraid so that was a good book, but I also just listened to um, Finding Peace by Troy Love, uh, who outlines those wounds as well in a really great way. Um, and I wish I could recite all six of the ways, but um, we'll probably it's just okay. use some we of the terminology. We did an episode with him. He talks about it. Everyone can go back Thanks. and listen to it. It was an awesome episode. Yeah. Um, so I think the um, I think the big ones for me are loss, loss of you know a family, first loss of my father because he was the one that moved out of the house. Um, and we didn't really get to see him as much. And then, um, when my mom attempted, definitely like gr I had a lot of grief that I didn't deal with, but I would say that was the wound, um, was a loss of my mom. I had no longer had the support of parents. I no longer felt like I could, um, go to them with my problems, with my hurts, with my everything, um, as I believe good supportive parents are there to be. Um, in a child's life. So I would say loss was the big one. Um, and maybe even a little bit of betrayal, um, just because things were, weren't what they were supposed to be. I looked around at a lot of people in my life, a lot of other friends, and they didn't have the same broken family that I did. So. Yeah. And I, I guess I relate to you too, because mm -hmm. I like, I, I'm getting this feeling with you that it was like, your childhood ended prematurely, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just coming around Christmas time and it's like, nope, school year's over. 
And you're like, what? Because I, I feel the same way. I, I've said on mm-hmm. here several times, I remember the moment when I was 12, sit at a therapist office having her tell me your mom essentially can't show up for you. So like, yeah. can you resource? And I remember being like, oh, like, and just having that innocence of childhood just taken. And so mm-hmm. I, your story's hitting me in my heart. Just, I relate to you in that piece of just that, oh, I've, I've got to earn it now. I've got to kind of adult up. And you're, mm-hmm. I mean, kind of same age as I was. I mean, seventh grade, mm-hmm. you're 12, right? Yeah. About 12. Right, so yeah. I mean, so, so, oh man, I just, I, I, I can cry for that, mm-hmm. for that, for that 12 year old Max for sure. Mm-hmm. So Max, tell us a little bit about, I guess, what the height of your acting out looked like and, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of how you started to find some recovery. Yeah. Um, so just quick little more fill in. So, um, you know, eighth grade into high school kind of calmed down a little bit in terms of, you know, no big changes for me, um, kind of got in a groove and then, um, slowly acting out the whole time, but, uh, ended up finding a, a great girlfriend at the time as a sophomore in high school. And we continued, um, until sophomore year of college. So it was a really pretty serious relationship. Um, we were kind of the first ones for each other, uh, to be able to open up and kind of like at least feel those wounds together that we had really isolated, um, and ignored. So we kind of became, um, pretty quickly codependent, I would say. Um, and I know that's a word that gets thrown around probably too much, but it so, was so definitely define it, define it, how it, what it means to you. Cause you're right. Yeah. Like, a lot of people use a lot of ways. So explain to us like mm-hmm. kind of the relationship and how you're using yeah. it. Yeah. So for me, it was our validations were set on each other's happiness. So mm-hmm. if she was not happy, I couldn't be happy. And to see her upset really hurt me emotionally and spiritually, I would say too. Yeah. And vice versa. Um, now the part is we were both going through depression. So it was like, there was no winning <laughs> um, yeah. for either of us. Yeah. Um, but I would say kind of towards the end of that relationship, um, for a long time, I had wanted to wait for pre, uh, for sex for marriage. And we uh, fell into premarital sex on top of me um, starting to just lie more and more about my own pornography use. Um, she would ask to like check in. I was open and honest every once in a while, but most of the time I would do the great, great line thing and tell her like, Oh, I don't remember the last time I did when it, it was like, Oh, I don't remember if it was last Thursday or last Tuesday. And she's thinking, Oh, it might be like months. Um, <laughs> so do you feel, do you feel like the sexual behavior mm-hmm. right in the relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. in line with your value system or do you feel like because it was codependent and you were mm-hmm. using sex, you mm-hmm. pushed the boundaries of sex in that relationship beyond your value system, seeking that validation? Definitely would say um, I was seeking validation from it. I think uh, quickly after we started um, having premarital sex, we our relationship went downhill very quickly um, because emotionally like I was really broken because it didn't line up with my morals um, and my values. And we were, I was really doing it um, because she wanted it or I thought that it would make things better, you know, like 
Um, you know, I was also four years in, it's like, okay, we got to, we should start thinking about marriage maybe. And like, that's kind of like the next step. Um, even though emotionally and spiritually, I was so not ready for it, but yeah. Um, but I think going back to like, kind of, the, that was kind of the height I would say was right around that time for sure. Um, and then within four months of us starting, um, she had a lot of personal uh, issues arise and I don't want to get into, you know, telling her story, but sure, um, totally. she, she had a, a lot of personal things that she um, needed to not needed to be on her own to handle because of our codependency. So um, she was, she broke it off in the um, spring semester of our junior year, or sorry, our sophomore year of college. So just before we started spring semester um, and me and my depression just spiraled after that. And so um, so, and definitely. so put us in time context right. that breakup is mm-hmm. how long ago in the past that right is right from right now that is um two and a half years wait one two yeah two and a half years okay okay so and i and i guess mm-hmm. and i guess the part that i want to validate is mm-hmm. i feel a lot of times Mm-hmm. married people to single people go oh mm-hmm. well that wasn't a marriage so whatever mm-hmm. it's a girlfriend move on no big deal but um i think you can i just want to give you the space to speak to like that relationship is valid as any other relationship right yeah. like as yeah. a as a as a 18 i mean meeting in high school right as a 17 18 19 20 year old person like i mean i would i would say that relationship is significant as Mm-hmm. Right. When people get married, I mean, it, cause they like said that was the validation, all those same patterns that we have heard people on the show come and share mm-hmm. about marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like the same. So I guess just the gravity of the relationship and how it affected you, like is not something we, I think should be minimized because it wasn't a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, that's honestly like looking at that relationship, I can relate to so much of the podcast. Um, just because of how serious it was, like, like we were going on family vacations together. We were like doing everything that a married couple would do other than like an official paper and a wedding kind of thing. Right. So it was super, super serious for both of us. Um, and honestly, like feelings of being trapped at times of just like, I don't know how to change this. It's like, we could both feel it wasn't right. We could both feel something was off. And right, but just it's become its own thing now. So how do you deal with that? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well said. Well said. So relationship ends. She ends it. That puts mm-hmm. you, that spirals depression. Right. Yep. So Still acting out, um, I'll assume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So all, all while we're in uh, class and everything, the funniest thing is we had the same major. And so we saw each other every day during this situation. So, um, not ideal would not recommend. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, I started spiraling in my depression and it started, um, which a great thing is I reached out to go to a counselor, um, because my mom had worked through her own depression that way and was just such a great role model of like healing through, um, you know, asking for help and kind of trying to find it in those ways. Um, but, uh, it took about a month for me to actually reach out. At first, the mindset switched to my dad's thinking of, I'm going to man up and do this myself. It's time for me to figure it out and be strong. Um, and that made 
everything so much worse. I started having suicidal thoughts. I started, um, you know, not sleeping well, acting out on a multiple times a day. Um, really, really not knowing what I was doing. If I was going to drop out of school, if I was meant to just go at home, go home and figure things out really unsure. So, um, honestly, my greatest God moment in the middle of it, uh, was after a night of not sleeping. Um, for whatever reason, I had a test the next day and the test went well. And God, I thought that was just like, wow, God, like if I can get through this in the midst of everything, then like there's something that you're doing good. Um, and I reached out and called my mom after some like really close suicidal thoughts. And she was just um, like right there on my side. Like, honey, here's how you do it. Um, I've walked this walk and I'm going to walk it with you again. So um, really beautiful to have her there and really made us a lot closer. Um, But went to the school counselor because it was free, um, (laughs) confidential and free, which is great. And they really helped me understand the relationship and how it affected me. And then um, kind of got me on some, or got me on antidepressants for six months, which was really needed at the time. Uh, and then just let me, uh, I guess, started me in my healing of everything. I would say it was about that time. So when, when was that? I went to counseling, right? So the breakup yeah. was two and a half years right. ago. And so you went to counseling yeah. a couple months after that into the depression or like had a year gone by. Um, it was just a few months. Um, I actually learned in my counseling. So breakup was, you know, January, two and a half years ago. Counseling was probably March. So yeah, two years and Whatever four months, you know. if my sure. math's right. Sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, honestly, though, learning, I learned that I was mildly depressed since seventh grade. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and just, you know, if you've never worked through the trauma, it's just always kind of lingering in the background. At least it was for me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, started counseling, um, which was great. I then also started going to church as well, which was very key. Um, I didn't have many friends in college because I really was focusing on my relationship. And so I had nowhere else to turn, but to church, um, which was another thing my mom did and like walked me through really well. Um, and the community there was just a bunch of loving, caring, kind people. Um, who accepted me for who I was Uh and just loved me at my brokenness. And this is back to the Catholic church. Catholic church. Yes. Cool. Yes. Uh Yes. Um, Thank you for the clarification. Definitely. Um, Yes. Stayed with the Catholic church and um, yeah. So about, you know, probably two years, I would say after the breakup got really involved in the Catholic church um, and these people showed me the first sign of God's love. God's like true unconditional love of like, they don't know me and they're like inviting me over for things. They're showing me um, what it truly means to be a child of God and to love one another. Um, And the whole time I'm just sitting there thinking like only, if you only knew like how broken I was or like everything I've done, you wouldn't love me. And as I start opening up and sharing, they only loved me more through it. Um, And we had a great priest who spoke so much about what, who God really was and started tearing down those ways of uh, my own father's face on the face of God for me. Um, I think for me, like one of the greatest 
uh, homilies he had was about uh, the prodigal son story and like growing up. Um, I had always thought that the prodigal son story. Everyone listening is he's like prodigal son story, and everyone in here is like nodding, just that like <laughs> yeah. oh, preach, yeah. brother, preach. <laughs> so we're like, preach. preach. Um, yeah, so for me, growing up, like you'd hear that, and um, my ego thought I was pretty perfect, and so I was like, oh, I'm like the son that stayed back. You know, like how how dare we like be unfair and unjust and let this prodigal son back? Um, but the you know really important details that I missed when I was younger was um, first of all we're all the prodigal son like we all are all sinners um, yes, sir. and especially after I was broken I felt very close to him um, and but the biggest thing is when we were returning home that the father came running so he not only had to wait and wait years for his son to come home and he just sat on his porch until that day came. But as soon as he saw him, he went running to him. It wasn't the other way around. He, the prodigal son's just crawling basically back to his father and willing to take the bare minimum and just survive. And the father is just all in and saying, no, you are going to be blessed abundantly because you are my beloved child. Yes. Love it. So I guess tell us, I mean, Tell us who God is to you now. Well, hold on before oh, before we oh, before, oh, before okay. the damn breaks. Here, okay, all right, pause the, that. The Let's one, rewind. <laughs> um, so the quick question I had is like, mm. so no one starts usually being like, I think that this is compulsive behavior and I'm addicted mm-hmm. or like I have a mm-hmm. problem. So mm-hmm. I know some people have a problem with the word addict. So right, mm-hmm. that it's it's compulsive. Right. I've got an issue. Right, whatever. Right. And so. Um, like, when did you realize, like, n- no, mm-hmm. th- this is a problem. Like, this is mm-hmm. a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> frankly, I remember, like, in eighth grade, I told a friend, I'm like, hey, I think I'm, like, addicted to this. Like, I can't stop doing this. And they're like, oh, no, that's, like, we all do it. And, like, really supported me in it. <laughs> no, and I was like, addicted. It's normal, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's like, no, that's just, like, what we do at this age, you know, like, kind of thing. And then even, like, uh, being involved in a lot of sports, there's a lot of locker room talk going around all the time. And, like, oh, how many times have you watched it, like, this week or, you know, acted out this week? And just, like, normalization of the whole thing kind of convinced me I, it wasn't a problem. But... Um, I would say, you know, about, uh, probably a year and a half ago. So it took a year, I would say, of just like healing my own wounds. Um, I was just on the self-improvement train and then I was like, Hey, let's take a look at this part too. Like I haven't stopped this since I was young. Um, there might be something to it. Um, and I'm okay using the word addict. Like that's totally what it is. It's, it's, it's an addiction. Um, by every sense of the word. So for me, um, so I'd say about a year and a half ago, I was like, okay, I need to start working, especially on this portion of it. Right. Right. So, so church was a big resource, right? A big source can Mm -hmm. be a big part. What else has been healing for you? Like what else has been a big X factor for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, the church community as a whole. And then um, in my own pursuit of, Hey, I want to work on this. I, excuse me. I was able to do a couple um, talks at, in that church group 
Um, and just being very vulnerable and honest, I had um, some guys come up to me and reach out and say, hey, I, I want to stop this too. And so um, there was a group of uh, uh, four of us total that started reading Wild at Heart first, actually, uh, in a small group. So it was a good one. Um, we also, uh, so that community really, really was important for me. Um, starting, you know, church was a great, like the larger community was loving, but this was some guys that I could be 100% honest with, like, guys, I'm struggling right now with temptation. Like I need someone to call right now. Um, and we're right there with me. We also read a great book called um, Surfing for God, um, which I think is by Michael Cusick, um, which was super, surfing super good. Like, like surfing S-U-R-F. S-U-R-F. But the idea, um, the way he explains it is the common quote is, every time a man knocks on the door of a brothel, he's searching for God. But today, every time the man is surfing on the internet for porn, he's really searching for God. Oh, mm. surfing on the internet for God. Like James says that all the time. Amen. Whenever James <laughs> speaks, yep. he's like, when you're looking for porn, you're really looking for God, by the way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, also, Thank another great guys. book. Yeah, Friends about that. Yep. <laughs> I haven't even read the um, surfing book. No, right. So, so, say it again so everyone catches it. We'll put yeah. it in the blog post. Yeah, Surfing for God by Michael Cusick. Um, and it was also just another great book to kind of get us started in and understanding the wounds. It used a lot of the same terminology as well at heart and um, really broke things down as uh, let's understand your patterns here. So, you know, you act out what happened the day before, what happened, the, you know, that morning of, or even like 10 minutes before, like, was it a frustration you had? Was it, you know, you got into a fight with your roommate? Was it, uh, you know, whatever it may be, um, you know, you failed a test, whatever. Let's start mapping out our actions and our responses before and after each um, acting out moment and then start to analyze those and work on how to avoid the things before the acting out. Right. So. Right. And I, and I think what's cool is like a lot of times people are like, there's not some group therapy program here why, where I am or, you know, I can't find a good 12 step meeting. I'm like, you just grabbed you and three other dudes at church. And you're like, mm -hmm. I think this wild the heart book's good to go. And you jumped in and then you found this other one and you, I mean, so, so no matter where you're at, um, and, and you don't, you don't have to go far. I'll let y'all in a secret. If you don't already know, you don't have to go far to find a couple other men who are addicted to porn. Okay. It's like, it's like, they're right there. I promise. I promise. Mm -hmm. And almost all, almost all have amazing hearts and, and really want to change. Right. They're just the mm -hmm. shame and trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would totally encourage anyone. It was like really scary. Um, and like, yeah, none of us knew what we were doing. And that was the beauty of it is we were learning together and saying like, Hey, like this is one of my triggers, you know, like social media is a trigger because there's, you know, women in not a lot of clothing everywhere. It seems like, so how can we manage that? Or really any like media source yeah. can be a trigger. So I just um, think that's awesome that you get you, that you just, you created your own community, your own group of guys, your own mm -hmm. band of brothers and just was like, who, who's with me? Who wants to work on this mm -hmm. with me? And, and you guys went for it. I just, the vulnerability is amazing. That just, 
I'm a little bit older, and so I just, you know, my, older, my, huh? my generation <laughs> didn't do that, you know? We we just hit it, stayed isolated, and we didn't even talk about it. We didn't normalize it even. Like, you talked mm-hmm. about being in the locker room and everybody normalizing it. We just kept it all super hidden. Well, that so. that's hard That's hard to do over telegraph to be vulnerable, you know? So <laughs> I, I get it, right? I get it. But, so, I mean, take us back to where, where James had you before I de- derailed mm-hmm. you talking about kind of when it was an addiction for you like what what has shifted for you i mean so you mm-hmm. talked about who your dad was right mm-hmm. the father you right face of your father on the face of god so like who's god to you today yeah um for me it's been such the biggest change has been uh my relationship with god being so much more intimate. And I think that's truly what I was searching for all along is that intimate relationship. Um, And I was trying to find it in women in every way possible when it really can only come from God. And so um, inviting God into every moment right now, you know, trying to pray as much as I can, even though we can all pray more uh, myself is the best example, but um, definitely seeing him as an ultimate loving, caring and passionate God. Um, I want to say, I can't remember which book it was, but, um, it was probably John Eldridge, maybe fathered by God Whatever, talking about just, how you can just say, you said it, we'll quote you. Okay, perfect. Um, uh, where he's just said. talking, uh, sorry, where he's just talking and describing God as, um, a passionate lover. Right. And I, that really hit home to me because I had always wanted to like, be that you know go over the top boyfriend or like you know pursue someone like and you know lose you know sense of the every other part of the world just to find this one person and so when god was described like that to me but he was chasing me and all i had to do is turn around and face him it was so revolutionary for me so god is a passionate lover he mm-hmm. loves you no matter what. Mm-hmm. He's pursuing you all the time. Mm-hmm. All of these things. He loves you even though you're not earning it. Mm-hmm. All these things are different now. And now mm-hmm. rewind the last five minutes and listen to it again. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Not a joke. Like you should do that for real. Um, so tell us, so as we wrap up the episode here, tell us about mm-hmm. your sobriety right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I'm four weeks sober right now, I'm still stumbling. Um, I find my, you know, cycle to be about a month, two months to, or sorry, two weeks to a month about, um, and life starts to get really hard, it seems like. Um, I've gotten rid of the pornography a lot better than the masturbation in, you know, complete honesty, as um, that is just such a, you know, habitual thing for me. Right. Um, but I think the thing that's really helped me is just taking away, um, opportunity to have pornography around. So, you know, taking things off your phone, putting, I have a porn blocker on my phone and my laptop. I have like everything to stop me, um, for when those moments do arise. So, So, um, as I'm sure, you know, there's no, so I, I started, uh, in, in 2016, Mm-hmm. really where you're sitting right now because I'm like, no mm-hmm. one's talking about this from the people who are currently struggling. The only thing you can find sometimes rarely 
is someone who's now that I'm five years sober, I'll kind of talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so the, I think a question I, I'm, I'm curious to know from your perspective, mm-hmm. cause I think it is valuable. Like what pieces do you think you're missing? Because mm-hmm. you know, we believe, right. God heals. Like this is not something mm-hmm. that has to follow you around your whole life. Like, it's not like, Oh, if that porn blocker slips for one day, you're screwed. Like mm-hmm. there will be a point in time that like, the healing work has happened. Not that you won't still have sin and shortcomings and still be working on your path back to God, but that this specific issue, this specific addiction won't be a thing. And so Mm -hmm. what, what do you think is missing? Right. And I know that's a tough question. I'm asking you Mm -hmm. to have a crystal ball and see the future, but so often we have people, people speak looking backwards, right. As to what's Mm -hmm. happening. And so I I just want to end asking you with right your journey, your experience, which I'm, I'm blessed to have heard for sure. Um, like what, what do you think you're missing? What do you still? Um, Yeah, honestly, it was, it's been great to listen to the podcast. I'm only, uh, I think we're coming up on five months listening to it. So, a lot of the stuff that you guys have presented about, you know, 12 steps and um, even like specific therapists for sexual addiction are things I really want to look into. Um, I have been following the uh, 12 steps along with you guys, or I I guess just listening to the podcast as you guys have been posting them on the outsiders um, page, which has been great and a great introduction to me. I would love to try that. Um, and really work those steps, I think would be very important. Um, and then, yeah, the other one is to go back to a therapist who specializes in this and start to break down. Okay. Like let's look at the life story another time from a new perspective now, because we're constantly changing and getting new perspectives. Mm -hmm. So what else can we learn and heal? Yeah, no, that's amazing. So, um, well, before we, as you know, cause you're listening, mm-hmm. we give everyone a song. Mm-hmm. So tell us what mm-hmm. the song is right now for you, for your story. And then I'm, I'm going to give you one more, one more thing to speak to as we go out. But, but tell us what the song yeah. is. If you had a song right now, yeah, what would it be? Yeah, this was really hard for me to think about because I listen to Christian music pretty much every day and all day long. Um, but I think I want to do uh, Loved Mood First by Toby Mac. Oh, it's a banging track, banging track, right? Talk just how you did the prodigal son. So here's my question for you. There is and has been, I am most assuredly sure of, um, many 20, 18, 21, 23, 22-year-old mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. right? And and they're, they've heard the podcast and they go, oh, well, they're married or they go to a different church than me or mm-hmm. their situation's different than me or I'm not in Utah where they have all these magical resources, right? Where, you know, so I, 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 don't, I don't have all that stuff. So this just isn't going to happen for me. So to that mm-hmm. guy who's listening right now, who's single, who is doubting what God can do in his life for some of those reasons what would you tell him if he was here with us right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I would say to him would just be your vulnerability and your courage. It will be rewarded by God. It's really, really hard to raise your hand and say, this is an issue I have. Um, But as soon as you do, at least in my experience, it has given everyone else the courage to say, oh, me too. And um, then start making your own 
group, start making your own band of brothers. There's no, you know, 12, there's no like perfect. If you follow these boxes, you will be healed. But if you start finding other people to learn from and heal from, you're going to be in a lot better place. If you like to become an outsider, like our friend Max here, we invite you to join us, donate to help other people find treatment and therapy and the things that you, Max, are looking for. Um, so you can go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. And if you want to look for the resources, subscribe. Our scholarship page is up and active. At the time of this recording, we have uh, six, really seven, because um, one's a duplicate active scholarships right now for both people in Magical Utah and also for people outside of Magical Utah. Um, and so if you've enjoyed listening to this, we invite you to give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the world judges us. And people like Max searching on Spotify will be able to find us. Um, reach out to us, send us an email, follow us on social media at unashamed unafraid instagram facebook and max thank you so much for coming on man your courage and your vulnerability is is truly a great example and and i know we've been blessed here we've been fed by the testimony that you have shared so thank you thank you guys for having me it was such a blessing and a great opportunity and i really uh admire all the work you guys have been doing Thanks. And our testimony is with Max and all of our other outsiders that if you will lean into it, try some vulnerability and be open. In the words of Toby Mac, the love will break through. I was feeling that, feeling that breeze, singing like a song through the tall oak trees. Mm -hmm. It was just another summer night, had to be the last thing on my mind.
here It was late in the summer with a northeast breeze Sang like a song through the oak trees Pennsylvania, she kinda caught my soul Which had me a little more open to close Walls I built, opinions I learned Covered in the ashes, the bridges I burned Blind to the arrow that was headed to my heart But you hit the mark Wind blows. 